When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Off the Looking Glass. I'm Kate Fagan. I'm Jessica Smetana. All right. Anya, we had the update. We have the results, and they're in. Anya Alvarez here, producer of Off the Looking Glass. The day of my U.S. Open qualifier, I felt really excited. I had pre-competition jitters building up, a feeling I hadn't had in a while, the type of nerves where you can't wait to face the challenge that's ahead of you. And when I got to the golf course, I started to warm up and I was in a zone. My swing felt fluid and smooth. When I went to the putting green, I felt like I had a rhythm to my putting stroke. And then when I got to the tee, they called my name and I hit a great tee shot. I did start off solid the first four holes and I felt really calm, like I was just playing a casual round of golf. Then I hit a streak of a couple of bad holes, nothing that could completely make or break the round, but certainly meant that I had to make up some ground. The sad thing is I never did. But I didn't feel like I was playing as bad as my score reflected. I was hitting it well. I was rolling my putts on the intended line, but I just wasn't making good choices, meaning I would choose the wrong type of shot or play a hole too aggressively and get myself in trouble in the process. But the thing is, is I never got discouraged. I didn't beat myself up or feel like I was wasting my time when it was clear that I wasn't going to get a spot in the US Open. I just kept telling myself that it was a privilege to even try to compete again and give myself the opportunity to try. Um, And on the last hole, which was a par three, playing about 175 yards, the pin was tucked behind the bunker. And I looked at my caddy and I said, let's end this with a bang. And I striped my shot and almost flew it in the hole for a hole-in-one. Just don't ask me if I made the putt. All I can tell you is that I walked off the green with a big smile, knowing that I gave it my all. So Jess, that was the final update from producer Anya Alvarez. And... I got to say, it, it's it's true. Some, it's hard to hit on all cylinders, both physically and mentally. And it sounds like decision making when, you, you know, you're coming out of retirement and you're doing something really quick. But but kudos on going on the journey. Right. Yeah. I Kate, I have nothing but applause for Anya's attitude about this entire endeavor and experience because she knew that One of the outcomes may be that she did not make it to the U.S. Open in Pebble Beach, and yet she did it anyways. And I would have never even tried because I don't like to fail at things. So uh, just kudos to Anya for for this 
Herculean mm. effort and yeah. endeavor. I mean, w- one of the mottos I live by, Jess, is from Homer Simpson, and trying is the first step toward failure. Trying is the first step toward failure. Amen to that. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, if when you can name drop Hercules and Homer Simpson in in the top of an Off the Looking Glass episode, you know you're creating great content, as Anya has done for us. Thank you, Anya. And you know what? Maybe the U.S. Open will magically expand its uh, qualifying pool and somehow mm-hmm. we can yes. still make a, a family trip to Pebble Beach. But there's always next year, if not. I know. And one last time, Pebble Beach is really beautiful for those of you who haven't seen it. it is. <laughs> well, now we'll never know. What else do we have on the show today? We have part two of Jewel Lloyd. We are going to continue with the former WNBA champ, WNBA all-star. But you and I are particularly excited about the campfire that we are bringing today. Kate, tell everyone who is on the episode in the campfire. This is really, really exciting. Yeah. I mean, this name might not resonate with everybody just off the bat, but just wait for the description of what this athlete has done. Abby Lampy, Jess, is a hero of ours because in 2022... Hey, going, everyone. The Cheese Rolling Festival is back after a two-year break. She won the Double Gloucester Cheese Rolling Contest. Off goes another roll of cheese. This must be the women's sprint. By half-running, half-rolling down a very steep hill in England. Have a look at the Sheila on the outside in black and red. She's either going to win the cheese or break her neck. No in between. There's a comeback. No, she holds on. Becoming the first American woman to ever do so. America has infiltrated the Gloucestershire Cheese Rolling Festival. Of course they have. To win the coveted prize of a massive roll of Gloucester cheese, which leads us to the proper next conversation, obviously. Yeah, well, she's obviously a trailblazer. She's a hero of ours. And as cheese enthusiasts, we're going to do a quick top five list of our favorite cheeses. Should we each Mm -hmm. do one or should we like collab on one single list? I think you and I should come up with what the top five cheeses are. And before we do that, the double Gloucester, the Gloucester cheese is not on my list only because I don't think I've ever had it. It is a traditional semi-hard cheese for cheese enthusiasts. That is what the cheese wheel that she won. So give me like your two cheeses that have to be on the list. Brie. Brie is my number one. It is my favorite cheese. It is definitely the creamiest. And if you're someone who's not lactose friendly, probably the most difficult to digest. But it's a one of one for me. I could eat an entire log of brie cheese. If there was a brie rolling down a hill, I would be the one to win that wheel of cheese 10 out of 10 times. Wow. Because I like you so much, Jess, I will allow brie onto the list. I am less enthusiastic about brie. Really? Yes. Oh my God. Although- Okay, well, I know camembert is up there for me too. A lot of- Okay. Can, maybe we should do like all soft, like gooey French cheeses with a rind for number one. Brie, Roquefort, Pont de Vec, Pont Salut, Savoyard, Saint-Paul, Carré. Is that too vague? <laughs> okay, okay. No, that's fair. I mean, okay. honestly, we, this could be its own podcast, a discussion of our favorite <laughs> oh, cheeses geez. and how we eat them and why and where. But I think your description of the brie, we'll put brie as the category onto the list, okay. is good. Are we okay with adding a fantastic Parmesan to this list? 
It wasn't on my list, but yes, a, a really okay. good top tier Parmesan. Absolutely a salty little sharp Parmesan snack. Mm, top five yep. Mwah, for sure. Okay. Let's put it okay. on What's your next must have? A stinky blue cheese. I love blue cheese. I love stinky cheeses. You're making a face. I don't know if it's a good or a bad face. What are your thoughts? You've now named the two cheeses that we usually leave off of our cheese plate. What? Uh, you don't put blue cheese blue? on your cheese? Those are like the two essentials for me. That's what I'm building my cheese board around. If we were making a cheese plate for a party, I think brie and blue would be on them because we do know that they often are crowd pleasers. So... I'm willing to accept this blue cheese onto the cheese plate. I'm saying like a stinky one too. Like Gorgonzola okay. is not even scratching the surface of how nasty as moldy I want as it I want, gets. I want like okay. a gross ass Dilton cheese. So that's number three. Let's do it. Okay. Like from the 16th century, blue cheese is it's what we're rotten. going for. It's disgusting. Okay. Yeah, but it's delicious. So much blue cheese here. It smells like bark mom. Okay, and then uh, just a quick, just a quick detour. And do you eat it with like a little bit of jam or a grape mm. or, or are you just full blue cheese right on to a the cracker face? on a cracker on a little loaf? I mean, I'll eat okay. a plain, a little honey on top, whatever you want. Like it's it's okay. all cheese to me. OK, I'll take the fourth spot with this one. I, I hope you'll agree. Now, open your mind to this. An aged Gouda. And the pride and joy of the nation, Howda cheese. Yep, that's mm. how you pronounce it, guys. Not just like your average Gouda where you might grab some slices from the, the deli case, but like a deeply aged Gouda yeah. that ends up becoming like the texture of maybe a Parmesan. Like it's a smoky, much harder. hard, old, yes. crusty Gouda. Okay, yes. Those descriptions yeah. really make the mouth water. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm into it. I mean, I like all cheese, so really there's nothing that I'm going to leave off. We can go for it. I, I would have put like a burrata or like a really nice creamy mm. mozzarella at this spot, okay. but aged Gouda is fine. Okay. So you've got the fifth spot. What are we filling it with? <sighs> I'm going to go with like a Spanish, really nice manchego cheese. Sheep's milk. Yes. Yes. Soft. High five. Salty. Yep. All right. We agree. Thank you. We're, let's go make a cheese board. Let's do it. We'll eat it when we're back. But I do want to add before we go away. I don't think I could roll down the hill the way Abby rolled down the hill. I mean, I love cheese and I want to say that I would do that. But would you throw yourself down a hill in real life? For cheese? Yeah. Our guest today was the number one pick of the 2015 WNBA draft. The Seattle Storm select Jewel Lloyd from the University of Notre Dame. She was the WNBA Rookie of the Year. She's a four-time WNBA All-Star and All-WNBA First Team selection in 2021 and a two-time WNBA champion. All right, let's do it. Let's bring her on. Jewel Lloyd. I feel bad I'm bringing this up, but I, I since you're the first person I've talked to who was actually in the Aces Storm game. Seattle controls the first possession of game three. The back and forth in that game, I have never seen better basketball. Williams 
into Burr. And then the shot Sue hits. I mean, there's just so much going on there, right? Her her legacy, this moment, the bat, And then whatever happened after that. We won't get into the, just the disaster of the next... Can you just tell me, like... Eight seconds. Have you ever had a loss? I mean, I'm not... I had no investment in either team, and I was crushed for you. So what... what like, have you ever had a loss like that? I, I've never... I've never lost or been a part of a game like that ever. That was a new one for me, for sure. Like, I told my dad, it was like, I think we went to the opera. Like, every emotion, every climax, every fall, every everything was in that story, right? I wish I was a fan to watch it, to really enjoy how great and masterful basketball that was. Uh, it's definitely hard in the moment, but when I'm looking, I'm like, man, this is, like, this is amazing. This, this series, the game, the shots, the ups and downs, the last two minutes of every freaking game was, like, wild. Yeah, that was the wildest game I've ever been a part of. The craziest loss I've ever had. And I pray to God I never had that experience again. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. It was like you went to the opera. I've never heard anyone, I mean. Yeah, poetic. Yeah, I mean, losing is awful. But I think I took away that that loss. It's like, well, at least it was probably one of the best WMA games this season. And I know that based on just that game itself, it grew the game. This game was great for the WNBA. Yeah. I wanted to touch on one thing about your overseas career. Cause you, I mean, yeah. you played in Turkey, Istanbul, Korea, Spain, China. Uh, China. You played in Shangxi. Yeah. Yeah. So what of those cities that you played in, which one was your favorite experience? I loved Turkey. I really did until they stopped paying me. And then it was like, okay, well, this is a little weird. Um, yes. But overall experience was definitely Spain. Salamanca and their club was by far amazing. We had a really good team. The culture of Spain was just, just welcoming and it was beautiful to be there. But every season was a different challenge. I think by far the hardest was China. With the, the time change, it was hard to talk to people, communicate, being the only American, not being able to speak English with a lot of people. I had no one on my team who spoke English. My assistant coach did, but we didn't, you know, I mean, who wants to talk to your coach all day? Like, probably not. Yeah. But yeah, I think by far Spain was was awesome. If you can tell, I'm really big on culture and uh, their culture was really welcoming and allowed me to be myself. And then I have super, uh, you know, a lot of grace because during that time, they allowed me to go to uh, Kobe's uh, farewell and, and, and come back. So I have a lot of respect for that club because most teams probably wouldn't do that. They gave me all the time I needed and uh, they were very respectful of that situation. So I have a lot of love for Salamanca. All right, so you're living inside the W. So you're actually experiencing this from the inside. From the outside, it seems like in the last three to five years, being a W player, the experience of it has just shifted in ways I probably can't understand. Both like asks being made of you, whatever, sponsors, money, all of this stuff. It seems like it's growing. It, see, it feels like we're in a moment. What does it feel like on the inside? Yeah, I think... Uh from a sponsorship deal and people who just want to know about the WBA and fans looking at us, it's a whole different light. I, I believe that that's, that's growing for sure. As the game has gotten better, people have continued to come and watch, talk about it, spread the word. I think obviously social media has been a huge factor. You know, you're seeing way more highlights of us on social. Good luck from Jill Bingo! People retweeting, commenting on it, things like that. I think that's helped a lot. And the dedication of the players coming in and, and trying to give you the best product out there. The more we're seeing, whether that's on ESPN, you know, whatever it is, like 
we know how good the product is, right? We're in it, we see it, we compete against it all the time. A lot of people don't, you know, they think it's, you know, crap basketball. Um, then when they watch it, they're like, oh, wait, wait a minute. So definitely the coverage has helped a lot. I think there's still a lot more to go, whether it's like rules or things in the CBA that we could change coming in or, you know, things like that. I think sometimes it's hard for me to understand why certain things are the way they are. I would say sometimes I'm a rebel against the CBA or things that I feel like, well, why not? You know, why can't we do this? But that's just who I am as a person. But I think we, we could definitely push the model a lot more. And I think players are now voicing their opinions way more than they did before. I think <laughs> people were scared before just because you're like, eh. like I don't want to get kicked up the lead. I don't want to be blackballed, you know, like, eh. but now it's like, no, I'm going to say what I want to say because I can't, you know, like I'm producing, I'm doing this and we have a voice. And the more we've able to to talk and, and use our voice, the more things we've gotten done. So it's been a win and I think the next couple of years and further are going to be really good. And obviously the players that come into the league are getting way better. They're coming in killing so that helps a lot too but i think it's just a lot of its coverage and then a lot of it's just us voicing our opinions when we need to have you noticed any difference in the way that you've been covered as an athlete or like your teams have been covered in college versus playing in the w now yeah i mean we're kind of sport being from notre dame right like we we're always talked about we're always in the media we're always got the best stuff depending on market depending on who you are i think it just depends on each person right but i think the more a team and club wins, the more people want to come out and give you stuff. You know, like you really got to have a good product. You got to have likable players that people and companies want to be a partner with. And, and I think that helps a lot. And I think I've been fortunate to be in Seattle where people know us. They want to be a part of the storm and they do everything they can to make sure that we're taken care of here or try to give us whatever, you know, local stores and restaurants and like that. But once you leave college, I think it drops off a little bit. Like that's just reality. But last couple of years, I think we've seen a big spark in endorsements for players, opportunities open, whether it's coaching or being the you know NBA or whatever it is. So I think people are just starting to bet on themselves a little bit more, which is helping a lot. So growing up outside of The Godfather, which is almost a sports movie at this time, because like everybody in sports loves it. What was your favorite sports movie that you watched and you're like, I got to go practice this move or it's inspired me? Growing up, it definitely was Space Jam. When the world's greatest athlete, Michael Jordan, teams up with the world's best-loved cartoon character, Bugs Bunny, you won't believe your eyes. That was my movie. I, I loved watching Space Jam. Watched that a lot. My brother and I watched that a lot. And uh, I thought it was, it was great. I, you know, it's the best of all sports. Cartoons and Michael Jordan, right? Like, it's a win-win. I actually, for whatever reason, I used to watch Bring It On all the time as well. Mm. Why? I thought it was great. You know, I thought it was great. So that was that was good. And that's something that my mom and I used to watch all the time. So that was good. Coach Carter was a good one as well. Remember the yes. Titans. Those are classic movies that I love to watch. And then I would say the one that my friends and I will always watch was like my... Step, step, step up, cause I'm bad like Mike. Um, that was... <laughs> little Bow Wow. Uh, little Bow Wow. You know, the con- you know he-, he was out there killing, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, oh, our last one that we actually just watched recently, my, my niece and nephew, they're getting older to actually watch movies, understand, but they love the Sandlot. You play ball like a girl! That's a classic. That's one of my definitely top five movies, The Sandlot. Yeah, Jessica hasn't seen that. I haven't so, seen it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At first I was like, it's because she's young, but here you are, Jewel, and you're 29, <laughs> and you saw The Sandlot, so, yeah. yeah. Well, I imagine you have, like you said, Space Jam's your favorite movie. You have a connection to it, and especially because of the Chicago connection and Michael Jordan, but I'm curious what right. you thought of the Space Jam, the new one with LeBron. You know, I uh, refuse to watch it. <laughs> I, I could be biased uh, just because it's just like, if you have a classic movie, I just don't mess with it, you know? And that's not a... 
you know, a shot to LeBron or anyone, like, but it's just, it's a classic. Just leave it, you know? Yeah. My niece and nephew, they enjoyed it, but then they watched the old one. They were like, this new one's better. I was like, I know. It's not a new one, but it's, it's the first one. But, yes. You know, but you're right. So, new to them. Uh, yeah. Right. New to them. They were like, oh, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to teach you guys something here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think that's a good note to end on. Jess, you got anything else? <laughs> I'm wondering what your, what your favorite food to eat was in Indiana. Yo, Nick's patio. <laughs> okay, that's Thanks. actually a good answer. <laughs> it was open to like 4 a.m., Kate. That was that was the spot. <laughs> okay, okay. So mostly just convenience, not necessarily like they had good breakfast. Culinary they had good breakfast. Okay. Breakfast was really good. Omelets, yes. hash browns, the whole nine yards. Jewel, thank you. Thank you so much for making time for us. Of course, this was fun. So I had seen this competition a few years ago, just compilations of people rolling down this hill. And I thought it would be a fun thing to participate while I was abroad. And I was like, you know what, this year, I'm gonna look up to see if I'll even be in Europe to do it. So I packed things for going abroad in Spain for the cheese race. And I came prepared. I had done a ton of research on it and I had watched a ton of hours of film, but I mainly looked at how the people ended up going down the hill as well. So there's a few different strategies. Chris Anderson, he's a 23-time cheese rolling champion, but he goes and talks about how you want to like roll and then leap up and be on your feet as long as you can. I did not follow that strategy. I could not control my roll, but I didn't want to fight it, so I just went with it. And that was me rolling the entire way down the 200, I think it's like 200 yards. So that was fun. I wanted to see if you could barrel roll. So I, I practiced a little bit that way. And then I visited the hill a couple days prior to the race. And that was interesting. It was a bit rainy condition. So everything was really slippery. And I went to the top of the hill and I just slid down half of it because it was so unexpected. <laughs> I had been gauging my competition the entire morning. I knew I wanted to win. Only 15 people or so were going to be in the women's race. And I had known from the other prior races before, the winner was on the left-hand side if you're looking down at the hill. And so I wanted to be in that area. So I like made sure that I was gonna be one of the first on the hill. So when you're at the top, you're looking like straight down. There's a ton of people to the left and right of the hill. And then there's a ton of spectators at the bottom of the hill. And then there's this cage that encompasses the hill. So no one keeps rolling. And then there's the rugby players at the very bottom to stop you. The commentator who rolls the cheese, he goes one to be ready two to be steady, and three for the cheese. You go after the cheese. And I just, I knew I wanted to just send it. And then I like take a few steps and then I immediately tumble down. And I don't stop tumbling till the end of the hill. I knew I was going in a sideways direction when I saw the tree line keep shifting. You're not going down in a straight line when you keep seeing the trees move. And then, 
there's one part of the race where I am just getting smacked by the hill. So my face is smashed into the hill multiple times. I was thinking there's only gonna be like 15 seconds of this and I can handle anything for like 15 seconds, so it'll be fine. But I ended up chipping my tooth during that. I just remember going down the hill, I get stopped by the rugby player and I look at up and two people are running towards me. I say, did I win the cheese roll? And then they announced that I had won. I took the cheese in my hand and I was like jumping up and down at the bottom of the hill, but I was still really discombobulated from rolling that entire way. I was a little dizzy, so they kind of like held me to make sure that I wasn't gonna fall over. I was just so happy that I had actually won because I had been talking about this with my friends and family and strategizing for so long. And it was really exciting to be the first American woman to win this race. I still have the cheese. So my fridge, I only have finished about um, half of it, so I still have the other half. Well, Kate, I think now is a good time for an admission on our parts, which is that we've been referring to Abby privately in text as Cheese Wheel Girl for <laughs> about a year now as we've been trying to make this happen. So we're really happy to have Abby slash Cheese Wheel Girl on the show, um, even though I can't fathom doing what she did. Chipping a tooth for a wheel of cheese is commitment. We barely see commitment like that in sports. I love cheese, and I know you said you would throw yourself down a hill for cheese. I just want to acknowledge that I am not physically adventurous, and I don't want to throw myself down a hill. <laughs> I also don't want to run with the bulls, Jess. That's cool that people do no, that, definitely but like, not that's fucking hard crazy. pass for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. But would you rather run with the bulls or? race for the cheese probably honestly rather run with the bulls because i think there would be a way what? well there's a way like in my theory i'm just this is impromptu but if you run with the bulls and your goal is to just get out of the way i think you can i feel like if you're running down that hill like you're gonna fall you're breaking an ankle your chances are about 40 percent I just think I'd rather. Yeah, but if you're running away from a bull and it gores you, like you die. I think that my chances of having nothing happen to me running with the bulls, right? Because aren't there thousands of people who do it? And most of them don't even get anywhere near the bull. Whereas like everybody who rolls down this hill is rolling down this hill. You don't like my logic. You're, you I think. I feel like there's a lot of hubris. Like you think you're going to be better than like 90. You're going to be like 99th percentile of the bull runners. So you'll jump out of the way. I, I just yeah, but the stakes are a little bit higher to me. I don't get how you don't. Yeah, see I that. do get that, but I'm not. It's not hubris. I'm not even going to attempt to run in front of the bulls. Like I'm not going to really do it. I will just. Well, then, then you can't pick okay, that fine. one. You're right. You can't. You're pick right. It. My logic. Your my logic has collapsed. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> All right, it's the cheese wheel race for me. I, I guess I'm doing it next year. Trip to Gloucester. Sounds like a plan. Who should we thank for this episode? All right. We should thank Cheese Wheel Girl slash Abby Lampy for winning this race and then for joining us to tell her story about her epic victory. And we thank you, Jess, for co-hosting and producing this show. And you, Kate, for also co-hosting and producing. And of course, to Anya Alvarez for sharing her experience trying to qualify for the U.S. Women's Open with us on the show. We're so proud of her. And we should thank Joel Shupak for sound designing and editing the show and Carl Scott, our executive producer. And thanks to Jewel Lloyd for holding down not just one episode of Off the Looking Glass, 
but two. We were very happy to have her. Just, we should come up with like a new way to do end credits just to spice things up for next week. I don't know what it'll be, but we'll just like come up with something really crazy for the bottom of the show. Let's do end credits while we eat cheese. Okay. I'll eat an aged Gouda. All right. I'll bring a burrata. Say cheese. Cheese. This is delicious. What is it? It's cream cheese.